If you have your Bibles, please open to Psalm 131. Psalm 131. I freaked out a little bit earlier because my device is froze. So if it freezes, then Alex will preach in my place. <laughs> Psalm 131. The word of God reads, a song of the sense of David. <clears throat> Yahweh, my heart is not proud, nor are my eyes haughty, nor do I involve myself in great matters or in things too difficult for me. Surely I have composed and quieted my soul like a weaned child rests against his mother. My soul is like a weaned child within me. O Israel, hope in Yahweh for this time forth and forever. forever. Let's pray. Father God, be with us this evening as we look to your word again. Uh, we have this childlike faith um, where we are in a time where we're so, we're reliant too much on ourselves, um, reliant on our talents, on our talents, our resources, in our relationships with one another. And where we, we know that these things are good, but they're not the best. The only reliance that we have in this world that can give us true security, comfort, and hope is only in you. Lord, as we look at this text, help us um, transform our minds and our actions um, to be more dependent on you, Lord. Thank you for this time we have. Your sons and pray. Amen. Christians are called many things in Scripture. We're called soldiers, farmers, slaves, lights, and even salt, just to name a few. One of the one of the but one of the ones I think we use, but don't really think much about is being a child of God, or we're thinking about collectively as a church, children of God. Our society, even though there are, there's this long gap of adolescence where you're pretty much, you're not a, a kid and you're not an adult, uh, but generally speaking, uh, there are things that even the world would define as very childish. For example, if you look at my kids or any kids and they're very, uh, that are very young kids, they will try, they'll tend to suck their own thumb. Now, unless you have some powdered Cheetos on your thumb, generally you wouldn't suck your own thumb in public or to go to sleep. Because if you know someone that does that, you think that they're very childish. Childish things tend to be someone that is emotionally, um, intellectually, or socially stunted. This isn't necessarily based on the physical age of the person, but their outlook and their actions in life shows whether or not this person is mature in the faith or not. To be called a child of God is a blessing from the Lord. And we, are, we go beyond just the label, but we actually need to live like it. We need to have this childlike faith. But then there are also ways in which the Bible describes faith as needing to be childlike, right? Jesus says um, in Matthew that we need to have this, we need to have, in order to have salvation, we need to be like these little children. In fact, anyone that causes these little children to stumble, it is better that they have a millstone tied around their neck and thrown into the sea than to cause one of these little ones to stumble. To be to have a childlike faith isn't speaking of isn't speaking of someone that's immature or someone that lacks self awareness. Rather, this is someone that Christ expects that we want to be mature in the faith. Uh, it's one of those things in Scripture where it's kind of like the backwards thing, where the Bible speaks of one thing, 
in order for us to want one thing, we need to do the opposite, right? We know the Bible speaks in order for us to be first, we need to be last. Um, if we want to have everything, uh, we need to lose everything. Um, the Bible is described as a foolish message uh, to the world, but is considered wisdom from the Lord. And the Bible speaks that in order to find life, you need to die to yourself daily. The mature Christian then needs to be someone that has a childlike faith. Sometimes in our elders meetings or just discussion with any of our elders, uh, there are things that tend to not scare or phase our elders, which is really cool. When, when there's some sort of situation going on, they tend to just be very calm and eclectic. Uh, if any of the elders freak out, then I will freak out like crazy because that just means there's something really bad is going on. And this isn't because our elders are stoic necessarily, but uh, it's because they've seen a lifetime of God's faithfulness, and that makes them depend on the Lord faster. Um, for us, this is an area in our life that we need to aspire as young people. Uh, we don't need to have we don't need to be on this earth for like 50, 60, 70 years in order to finally get to the very basic understanding that we need to rely on the Lord. In fact, if you can rely on the Lord now, it will spare you from seasons of anxiousness, fear, headaches, and confusion. But in order to get to that point, it requires, to, it requires us to have the childlike faith. We as young people tend to think that we are on the cutting edge of wisdom, the things that we think about. But in reality, it's either not new or just polished foolishness. Look at the subscript here. It's a song of scent of David, a song of a psalm of ascent. These are the type of songs that you sing as you tra traverse back to Jerusalem to worship the Lord. In fact, from Psalm 120 all the way until Psalm. 134. These are all, this is like a little um, part in the, in the Psalms where it's a collection of different Psalms that speak of uh, how people would sing and just remember things about the Lord as they're like, journeying back uh, to the promised land to, and to worship the Lord. In fact, Jerusalem was, was often this elevated place. Um, it's kind of like a mountain, which is why uh, it's called a center going upwards to the uh, temple. This portion of the text doesn't actually specify when David wrote it. It just tells us that David wrote this. It's possible that he wrote this as a younger person, a younger point in his life, because it shows how he was dependent on the Lord. He has this almost um, like a clean slate. He's speaking about how he is like a child um, dependent on the Lord. But if he wrote this later in life, this must mean that he's writing the psalm as a way where he fell short. He wants to exhort the people of God not to fail in the areas where he failed. Because it must be there was a time where he depended on himself, where he was self-reliant and he fell horribly. But the point of this text is that he wants people to know his own shortcomings. Um, if he, if those were written later on, later on in his life, it's to show that his shortcomings come when he relied on self instead of the Lord. Those are verse one. Oh Yahweh, uh, this verse begins with this with David speaking of the covenant name of the Lord. Yahweh is evoking this covenant name, showing his own personal relationship that he has with the Lord. It's amusing that any of us are proud, especially when we understand that we have a relationship with Christ because the Lord is the one who chose us before the foundation of the world. We may not outwardly brag about how our salvation, uh, about our salvation, and we understand that it's not on our own terms or our own abilities, but when it comes to everything else, we tend to just think the opposite. We tend to think about our own gifts, our own abilities, our own resources. We like to puff ourselves up. 
in everything else in life. But yet, let's remember that everything in our life is given to us by the Lord. The beginning of having a childlike faith is to be a child of God, is to acknowledge that you belong to him. That means that you are subservient, subservient to the Lord. And what keeps a person humble as a child of God is to have a childlike faith. It says, moving on, my heart is not proud, nor my eyes haughty. Um, the first word heart and eyes are to show areas in which personal life where he isn't proud. This is an acknowledgement of his own shortcoming. With heart, this is an idea of, of will and eyes, meaning like things that he um, sees, um, the things that he looks at. There's, there's no, there's, there's, there isn't any part of him that is filled with any pride. Continuing on, nor do I involve myself in great matters. David here claims that he chose not to involve in great matters because he doesn't think highly of himself. He looks at who he is and concludes that he doesn't want to involve himself in things that are beyond his own abilities. He doesn't, at the end of verse one, nor do I involve myself in great matters or in things that are too difficult for me. This point again is brought up as a parallel idea. That he can't do things that are more than he can handle. He doesn't punch above his weight class. He doesn't bite off more than he can chew. He doesn't attempt to do anything in his mind that he believes was too hard for him to do. The implication is that a prideful person often overestimates their own ability when in reality they can't do much. It's like someone that talks big game but doesn't have any game. This guy pretends to be wealthy but is actually very poor. David understands that he is not worthy of doing anything extraordinary. And as I was studying this, it, it amazes me that David thinks that way because in his life, he's done so many extraordinary things. I mean, before David killed Goliath, he was killing bears, you know, like he, he was protecting his sheep from wolves and all these dangerous animals. And when he went up, when, you know, the whole David and Goliath situation, he didn't even go in with armor or any weapon. He used a little slingshot um, to go against Goliath. You know, it was like something that you would... It was almost, it would be like our modern day, like, why would you bring a slingshot to like a gunfight? You're going to lose. But yet he's able to still do amazing things. David looked like a little pretty boy and um, he used to play instruments and he would sing really good. Uh, but what he did from our vantage point, even though these things are amazing things, he sees it as something that's like, okay, he does, he's not able to do these amazing feats by himself. How's that he claims that he does not involve himself in great matters then? It is because he understands that his life is in the hands of God. Think back when he was chosen and anointed. He was chosen by God through Samuel when no one believed in him. When even David's earthly father, usually your dad will like stick up for you or try to defend you, but he wasn't even making any reference to David. In fact, imagine how, just imagine how humiliating it is. Like you're out doing your little duties and taking care of the sheep and there's someone choosing trying to choose the, the king and then your dad doesn't even name drop you in any sense of the word in fact the only reason why samuel was even aware of david's existence is because god intervened god said this is not the one this is not the one he's like okay i went through all of these kids uh who's left and then david this little you know, pretty hit, pretty boy with like red hair uh shows up and he's like oh yeah that's going to be the king david what made David so unique? What made David so unique and relative to everyone else? He didn't have the stature of a, of, of a king. He didn't look like a king. He looked more like, like a pop star, like a little scrawny little K-pop guy. 
you know, that's like imagining, I mean, I know some of you ladies be like, of course I will have that as my king. But, you know, if you were just to look at that's not that intimidating in a time where, you know, people want guys to be like, you know, buff and like fight everyone with their bare hands. So I would think like killing bear would be a good qualification. But what made David so unique, what, what made David chosen to be the next king was that he was a man after God's own heart. He trusted himself, he entrusted himself to the Lord and only involved himself when God chose him to do so. Again, depending on how you see this, you may interpret this as him writing this in his younger stage in life. And I think that's that's kind of where I lean into at times, but other times I lean to the other way where he makes some mistakes because interestingly, you'll notice that in the life, the totality of the life of David in scripture, he has failed miserably because he's taken things into his own hands. The moment that he put his own hands on the wheel, sin steers him off the cliff. We're familiar with the with the sin with Bathsheba. He he lusted after her, and then um, you know reason, because of that, there's all these. You know, he had to cover it up. He loses his child. But at the end of Second Samuel, there's another situation that we often don't remember, and that's when he made a census. He did the census, and uh, God didn't tell him to do it. He, he wanted to keep, uh, have a record of all the names of the citizens there and count all of them. And the reason why he wanted to do that was just for self-glory. And it's because of that pride, um, God strikes and kills, and, cur- and he puts a curse on the people of Israel, which gets them killed. Whenever David seemed to uh, do something without God's intervention and intervention, or when he does, does anything for self-pleasure or self-glory, catastrophe happens right after. In other words, the moment that he actually thinks highly of himself is when he fails miserably. So again, that's why when you look at this text, you can see, okay, where was he before when he was dependent in his younger age? When he's older, when he failed, he realized I needed, I should have uh, continued to depend on the Lord. It is interesting that when we think about the ministry the Lord has given us, sometimes we dwell on the major success of ministry. And so think about if this is even what God wanted us to do to begin with. Oftentimes people in ministry will serve seemingly faithfully for a while to lead to some sort of disappointment because even in the church, sometimes we crave worldly success. We want our lives to be about us through our own efforts and abilities and sometimes your ministry fail because it makes too much it's too much about you and not about the lord you secretly in your heart even though it may not seem like it outwardly want to steal glory from god now the opposite can also be true you can actually not want to do ministry because of fear of man you care too much either about the disapproval or approval of man to do anything of eternal significance so how does this show a childlike dependence in the lord Every action that you do must be saturated with prayer, empowered by God to do the will of God for the glory of God. Anything less than that, meaning no prayer, no asking God to intervene and to, and to do things for his glory or empowered by the Lord, is will only lead to your own self-glory, which then leads to failure. So we see how David here doesn't think highly of himself. He doesn't, he doesn't try to involve himself with difficult things. But look at verse two. Surely I have composed and quieted my soul like a like a weaned child rests against his mother. My soul is like a weaned child within me. David described how he has composed and quieted his soul. There's a sense where he has to train his own soul to get to the point where he's composed and quiet. This is the human responsibility in terms of our relationship to uh, in the Christian life. You know, there 
this aspect where when we walk with Lord, we to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. There has to be a training in your own mind to not just learn truth, but to apply the truth in your own life. It takes work to know God's word. You need to pay attention to the details and the attributes of who God is. And it takes even greater effort to think how this, how scripture applies to my life in the context of where I'm at. What is amazing about scripture is that there are multiple multiple possible applications of the same text. If a person understands the truth accurately of scripture, there are many ways in which the Lord can, can work through them in a unique way in their own circumstances. It can even be the same truth from the same text that can make a believer apply in different scenarios. Examples, Ephesians 2.10, where it talks about how we need to do all things uh, for good works. Uh, it means doing something that is honoring to the Lord and how one applies it is completely different based on the circumstance and time. No one application fits all situations, but one verse, if, if, if thought through carefully and meditated on, can, you can find many ways in which this one verse can apply to multiple areas in your life. This is what we need to be as well. We need to look at scripture and we need to first train our minds to understand it and then train our hearts to trust in it. This is what a childlike faith looks like. It produces a life of spiritual maturity. There's one meaning of text, but multiple applications of this one text. It says here that like a weaned child rests against his mother, my soul is like a weaned child within me. So in the beginning, he says he, he, he composed his soul and quieted it. He, he was able to use God's word and then apply it to himself so that he can be level-headed so that he isn't worried or scared. And how he responds is this. He, he describes himself almost like a child, as weaned, a weaned child resting against his mother. This imagery is meant to illustrate the kind of quiet, secure, and safe trust that he has in the Lord. A weaned child means that this is a child that doesn't depend on their mother for milk anymore. You know, they're, they're, they have, they've moved on that beginning initial phase, yet they are still in the dependence of the parents. This is a picture going back to their own mother, not for milk anymore, but for every area of their life, the friendship, the care, the security, the comfort, and everything else that comes with being with your parents. A childlike faith, faith is dependent even after the elementary stages of the faith. It's amazing how Christians would claim that they are nothing but dust, but when it comes to, sal when it comes to salvation, that's when they say, yeah, we're nothing but dust. God is the only one that can save us and rescue us. But in every other area of lives, they live as if God doesn't exist. A person can claim maturity because of things they're doing in life or in college or in their job or whatever, but can still be immature in the faith because there's no trust in the Lord. It's sad when we only depend on God only during times when we feel like we need him, as opposed to actually realizing that we need him at all times. David here is saying that his own soul is like a weaned child, a child that no longer needs the elementary things of life, but, also, but that doesn't mean he's self-sufficient. He needs the Lord and everything else as, as well. He, 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 he leans on to the Lord the way a little child would. He doesn't want to be self-sufficient in that way, but he entrusts himself to the Heavenly Father for everything and in every day of his life. Verse 3, O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forever. David here encourages Israel to follow and hoping in, in Yahweh. The word Hope here means to wait with trust. It's not just simply waiting uh, for nothing. There's, a, there's this um, trust aspect and this anticipation that everything that's going to happen will happen because of what God has revealed. This is actually not something that we do in just one moment in time, but it's something that's a continuous action. David's calling people 
to continue to wait with trust in the Lord. This word trust is actually, or hope actually, is the same word that's used in Genesis 8, verse 10, when it describes Noah sending uh, the dove out to see if, um, so it's in, it's to see when it comes back, he's waiting, he's hoping on this dove uh, to come back and return, show him that the water has subsided or not come back. You know, he's just looking and discerned that something's going to happen. He knows that uh, the answer is going to reveal itself in time. Psalm 130, verse 7, this is just looking back, uh, the, the chapter before says, Oh, is your hope in the Lord? For with the love, for, the, for with the Lord, there is loving kindness, and with him is abundant redemption. It's the same word here when it says hope in the Lord. Uh, and this is the idea of waiting for the Lord for salvation. Ha, he has absolute assurance in the Lord. Dave here saying that Israel needs to place all of their hope in the Lord, not just for one moment in time, but for all times. That's, what, that's why the, this verse ends with this phrase from this time forth and forever. This is just a simple exhortation by David to call all of Israel to wait on the Lord at all times. David wrote the Psalm to have God's people humbly depend and wait on him. He doesn't want people to become self-reliant because of their own pride, but rather humbly realize their inability and, and be like a little child to the heavenly father. And this is a call for Christians to be humble as well because the refusal of trusting the Lord is pride. If we're too proud, we'll eventually lose that childlike faith. The significance of this passage is contrast between faith with pride. David understand that worldly ambition is rooted in this overemphasis of self-importance. So if you want to be mature in the faith, you'll need to have a childlike faith. Jesus instructs his listeners that, that in order for them to be saved, they need to have the childlike faith. Is what Matthew 18, verse 3 to 6, what I mentioned earlier. So what, how can we have childlike faith? Let me define some terms here. When I say childish faith versus childlike faith, the difference is, is in the person's dis, disposition about the things of God. They're both believers. A childish believer versus a believer that has childlike faith, they're both believers. The only difference is that a childish faith is someone that's immature in the faith that never seemed to grow in their walk with the Lord. This is what in Second Timothy speaks about, like they're always learning, but they're never, they're just never understanding it. Or in First uh, Peter, where it's like they're still drinking the milk when they should be eating meat. As well, uh, Hebrew says the same thing, where it's like you should be in a different stage of life right now, but because of your childishness, you're still very immature. Whereas a childlike faith is the path for the Christian to grow in their walk with the Lord. So it comes down to the way we think about God and how we are to apply God's word to our life. So how do I know, if you're asking me right now, how do I know if I have a childish faith or childlike faith? How do I know if I am childish in my faith or do I have childlike faith? I'll think about this the whole day. I had a, a very, very long list. I have 13 of them. And if you're going to... You could just, you don't have to memorize all 13, but just, just, just try to pick out one or two of them, because that's going to be your discussion question later on tonight. So talk about which one are you and which side are you, where you want to work on. So here it goes. How do I know if I have a childish faith versus a childlike faith? Number one, a childish faith only prays in the middle or at the end of a situation, but a childlike faith prays in the beginning and throughout the situation. A childish faith only prays in the middle or at the end of a situation, but childlike faith prays in the beginning and throughout the situation. 
in real life, a child often do something that is beyond uh, their own abilities and they eventually need to course correct because they realize what, what big of a mess they've made. Um, I'm not speaking of which child, but if you sit and just watch a child, sometimes they can't, say, open a, a juice box. You know, they over, uh, they, they're trying to put a straw in their little juice box. And what happens usually, they poke it through and then just, everything just explodes because they have, they lack that control. You know, if they ask their parents for help, they're able to have their drink without, you know, making a huge mess. And a childish faith is someone that's like that. They think that they can do things uh, that is actually way beyond their ability. And it's only after the fact that they, they realize, oh, I, I should pray about this. After when they fail horribly, when they mess up their life, that's when they go, okay, I should, I should ask God to help me. And whether it's something like college or dating or wherever you want to work or wherever you want to move to, vacation, whatever, this is the kind of person that only prays out of desperation. A childish faith, an immature faith, just wants to get out of hard circumstances or only have God fix everything because everything's just horribly wrong. But a childlike faith is someone that prays and is always dependent on the Lord. Ephesians 6 for, uh, verse 18 tells us that we need to pray continually. They pray, uh, they, uh, they, have their, they, only, they don't pray just for needs because they, well, they pray all the time because they realize that they always need the Lord. This person always prays as, they, as, uh, as an act of worship, as a way that they depend on the Lord because they know that without the Lord, they can do nothing. But how can I be more? How can I have more of this childlike faith as opposed to childishness? Always pray. Saturate everything in prayer, from the biggest decisions in your life to the smallest decisions. Whether it's going to work, I wonder how many of you guys ever pray. I know, I know, you guys are at home. Like you know, generally you guys are all sheltered in place. But do you ever, you know, when you're going to one place and to another, do you ever pray for the trip itself, even if you're just going down to the grocery store? Do you realize that the Lord has protected you? from the, any danger from point A to point B or, or back, you know, whether you're even working, you know, if you're working in like a very difficult, like, you know, when you're engaging, when you have to like interact with different people and you don't get COVID or you're safe by the end of the day, you realize that that's Lord protecting you, even if you don't pray about it. We often pray for food every time mealtime, well, yeah, we'll pray for that. Or about your studies, when you're studying, do you ever pray that Lord give me the knowledge and the discipline and the focus that I need to be able to know the material, to glorify you in class, so it could be a good testimony? Or even if you're having leisure time, do you ever thank the Lord that the Lord's giving you the opportunity to rest? You know, you, in everything and in anything, we should be praying because it's the Lord that gives us the ability to do these things. A childlike believer is always asking the Lord for help because we understand the truth that when Jesus said, without me, we can do nothing. And that is true because we are indeed nothing. That's the first point. Here's the second one. A childish faith is stunted when it comes to knowledge, but childlike faith constantly grows in their knowledge. If you look at the child, they all they often assume they know the things about the world. You know, they they just look at it, they go, oh yeah, the world life is like this, and you laugh at them like <laughs> even as an adult, sometimes the elders laugh at me like <laughs> life is not like that. So you can you understand that sometimes ch children they they they're they have a you know short view of life because they don't have an experience much. And they think that all they've gone through in life is exactly how the world's going to be. And again, it's adorable when you see little kids do something like this. A child of faith, a childish faith, however, is not that adorable. In fact, it's kind of sad because childish faith is someone that just assumes they know it all. They think that hearing one sermon about a passage that means, all right, I got, it. I don't need to. Uh, study this passage anymore or perhaps maybe some people listen to 
10 different sermons on one passage and think I've mastered it. Uh, they never see that there's a need to go beyond what they know. A childlike faith is someone that's, that is humble enough to know that they will never fully master any text of scripture because they know, they understand that they're going to forget things as well as their uh, their own sinfulness. They're not going to master everything in scripture. They're not going to remember everything. They're going to forget. They're going to, uh, there's maybe there's some biases on certain texts that they re- eventually realized they were wrong in their interpretation. A wise, a child, a person who has a childlike faith always understands that they need to grow in Christ's likeness and in their knowledge of God's word. It is no wonder that those that are most immature in the faith are the ones that seem to have a, this the ones that that's just, does not have a genuine heart to learn more about the Lord. Let me say it again. It's, a, it's no wonder that those that are the most immature in the faith are the ones that seem to not have a genuine heart to learn more about the faith. Paul in chapter one, verse, in Philippians chapter one, verse nine to 11 says this, and I pray, and this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment, that so that you may approve the things that are excellent or to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ, having been filled with the fruit of righteousness, which comes through Jesus Christ, the glory and praise of God. Paul understands that this is just something that all Christians need to learn. They need to keep learning about God's word. Now, this isn't a call necessarily for everyone to go to Sunday school, but I think everyone should go to Sunday school uh, because it is, and it's, I know especially hard now actually it was it should be easier now because we have like you know just online but i know it was harder because you could actually just click the button and not be there in fact i think some of you as i'm preaching right now as now you're paying attention you're probably like i'm talking to you right now you're like playing a video game as i'm preaching that yeah you i see you even though your screen is off i see you or the lord sees you i i just didn't i don't know love hopes all things you're not looking you're, you're you're listening attentively maybe not you but it's especially hard because do you have a heart to learn about the Lord? And you should always want to learn, no matter what's, uh, no matter how old you are in the faith, how long you've been in church, how long you be a Christian, you will always want to learn. That's what a Christian is supposed to be. That's what a disciple of Jesus, Jesus Christ is, someone that is a learner of God's word. A childish believer will always assume that they've got it all. I have a John MacArthur study Bible. Why do I need to go small group? I have a, uh, log off software. I can do word searches. Why do I need to do a Sunday school? Why do I need to go to the, uh, the different groups that we have? Well, it's because you don't actually know that much. And it's evident in the way that you live your life. I've said this before, jokingly, but it's also kind of true that if you actually apply every verse that you hear on a Sunday, you, there, wouldn't be, there wouldn't be a need for like a biblical counseling like thing in, in any church because they would just be applying God's word. It's because they fail to listen to God's word when it's preached to them. That's why they need counseling, because they fail to think about how, they first they fail to listen and then fail to apply it. But if you've actually listened carefully and see where you're lacking and you apply it to God's word, there wouldn't be a need for biblical counseling because all of us will be doing God's word. We'll be applying it to our lives faithfully. But it's because we are so sinful that we deceive ourselves and thinking that we know more than we actually do. That's number two. Number three is this. A childish faith lacks self-control, but childlike faith is controlled by the Spirit. A childish faith lacks self-control, but childish faith is controlled by the Spirit. This is what Roger preached on a few weeks ago about 
the fruit of the spirit, how there's this list of things that are just catered to the flesh and there's this other group that is um, you know, being moved by a spirit. And we're saying when we look at children, little kids, they aren't particularly known for their ability to say no, or, or you know, they just can't discern. They, they're just acting on their impulses. They do whatever they want, whenever they want, and however they want it. Parents' job is always to try to stop them from ruining their lives. It's because they lack self-control. Someone that is childish in their faith can't say no to their own flesh. They are someone that are moved to buy the newest thing and they have the you know, FOMO, fear of missing out. They have to buy this. They have to be there. They have to get involved in that. They have no control over their lives. They have no control over their own purity. They have no control over their money. And they have no control over anything in their life. There are no, there are, uh, these are the people that claim to have God as their master, but they're really being mastered by the things of the world. This is someone that lacks self-control. They can't deny the flesh. They can't beat their body into submission. Uh, they are being bossed around by their own desires. Lack of self-control isn't, isn't a lack of self-control in just one area. You can't say, well, I could spend however money I want and think that it's not going to affect your, your Bible reading time. Or that if you lack in self-control and your tongue in terms of things that you say, then you can uh, control um, your, your anger or your diets. If you can't control those at one area, eventually it will bleed into every other area. This is why scripture tells us constantly we need to deny ourselves. So question, ask yourself, who is mastering you? Is it the Holy Spirit or your own flesh? Who is the boss of you? Is it your body? Do you tell your body what to do? Or does your body tell you what to do? Who gets the final say in your life? A childlike faith, on the other hand, is, always, is someone that's always praying and asking the Lord to use, enable the Holy Spirit to guard them from every sinful danger and even seemingly neutral desires. And Paul talks about not everything that we have is profitable, you know, but he's willing to say no because he's willing to be all things for all people. And he, there's a sense in which I can say no to anything and everything. Um, and this is something that's a challenge. You know, MacArthur once said this, like he would, there'll be days where he would, I want to eat a pizza. And he's like, no, I'm not going to eat a pizza. I'm going to just choose for this moment not to eat a pizza, just to say no, just see if you can do it. And I think that's a good discipline. Are there things in your life that are just seemingly neutral things that's like, okay, that's fine. But just for a season, just try to say no to it. You know, it was like, if it was a food, if it was a hobby, if it's spending or whatever, can you say no to something? Because if you can't say no, there's a chance that there's, is probably an idol in your own heart. And if you have true mastery being and you're walking in the spirit, you're, you will have the ability to say no and have control over your flesh. Learn to say no to self and say yes to the things of the scripture and allow the Holy Spirit to convict you of things so that you can say no to it because that's the only way you can be mature. Sometimes the thing that's stunting your growth or things that's seemingly neutral, but it's actually detrimental to your own walk with the Lord. Number four, I don't know how many, if I could get through all 13, but we'll see. Number four, a childish faith seeks opinions that pleases their desires, but a childlike faith seeks wisdom despite their desires. Childish faith seeks opinions that pleases their desire, but childlike faith seeks wisdom despite their desires. When you see a child, they will only hear what they want to hear. You know, oh, we're going to go and play or we're going to eat dessert. That's that they will like, they'll instantly obey. But when it comes to things like you need to eat your vegetables, suddenly they're like, I don't understand what you're saying. You know, they like, they, they pretend they don't hear you. They claim to be 
um, you know, or so, you know, for my kid, for example, they claim to be full. Of, I don't want to eat anymore. Then all of a sudden, the, the fruit bowl comes like, oh, I can eat like a whole bunch of more fruits. So why can't you eat the vegetables? Oh, I'm full. I'm full. So like they're just, you know, they're they're just catered. They just want to hear what they want to hear. They claim one thing, but it's really the other. That's because they have itchy ears. You know, and we understand the childish faith is the same way. They only get counsel if it's in harmony what's going on in their own heart as opposed to looking to scripture and then filtering, filtering their desires according to God's word. A childish faith only wants to hear what they want to hear. A childish faith is someone that tends to ignore correction, but seeks to have people tell them what they want to hear so they can get people on their side. A childlike faith is someone that always learns and asks so that they can weigh their, their desires in a biblical way. When you think about your own life and the decisions you make, think back when the last person says something that just seems off-putting to you. Is it because is it off-putting because it's actually inaccurate, or is it because they actually hit something like a not a nerve, and you realize like, oh, that person's actually right, but I don't want to listen to him. Because sometimes criticisms are good because they tell you something that you need to work on. Proverbs tells the faithful are the wounds of a friend. And sometimes when we confront each other on things, or we, hey, I noticed this about your life, you should thank that person because they actually do care about your soul. So thinking that they're a legalist and try to like fight back and be defensive, take a time, some time, be humble and listen to it because a child like faith seeks to grow in Christ likeness. And if you're a brother and sister and you and you care for each other, you would want that for you want you would want that for your fellow brothers and sisters in the faith you want them to desire what's best and that is the lord and these things can be hindrances of that so do you have a childish faith in terms of looking for opinions or do you have a childlike faith in terms of seeking opinion despite your own desires number five a child faith a child a childish faith abuses the doctrine of grace but childlike faith understands the doctrine of grace as a means to fight sin a child is someone that takes advantage and would often push the limitations of moral boundaries when they have when they're given a chance. You know, they'll like they'll try they'll, they'll try inch towards destruction. They may think that oh, if I just slowly get there, uh, then I could get whatever I want. They abuse the grace that's in their life. Um, and this is a person, and this is just a person on a base level. Um, understanding that salvation is by grace, we get that, uh, but that doesn't mean that uh, just because you are saved by grace that that means you can just do whatever you want. Uh, the, these are people before committing sin or have already made up their minds that they're not, that, they're, that God is going to forgive them. Like, okay, yeah, God's going to forgive So I'm going to indulge in this sin. I'm going to do whatever because God forgives all sins, right? And now this is actually very carnal thinking because this is what often leads to people going to hell. They think that because God forgives them, which is true, that they're going to just do whatever they want. They presume and abuse God's grace, but in reality, they have never truly experienced God's grace. Because if you truly experience and understand the knowledge of God's word, it can only lead to a transformed life. There can only be one result if you understand the doctrines of grace. If you understand that God loved you, you will want to turn to turn from sin, turn to him. You will desire the things that God desire and hate the things that God hate. A childlike faith the person knows truth and applies it to your life. It isn't true knowledge until it's practice. I, for example, can claim to, you know, I could read all the books I want in brain surgery, but until I actually spend time opening someone's head, open, you know, opening someone's head and actually you know, use a knife and cut into their head, I am just 
admire, I'm just, I'm just admiring brain surgery. I'm not actually a brain surgeon. Some of you are only admirers of God and his word, but you aren't actually students or children of God because you're not applying it to your life. Some are so entangled with sin and needs to understand more of God's grace to get themselves untangled. While others, they know God's grace and only seek to use it to hide sin even more. We want to be innocent. Uh, when it comes to evil, we want to be innocent like infants. This is what Romans 16, 19 tells us, as well as 1 Corinthians 14, 20, that we, when it comes to things of evil things, we want to be infant in those ways. Number six, a childish a childish faith is content in their sanctification, but childlike faith seeks to find ways to be more sanctified. Similar to the last point, a childish faith doesn't seem to want to do more in their growth in Christ. This is someone that maybe they have some understanding control in some areas of their life, but they don't want to get rid of all of their sins. They have they, they, they identify maybe two or three sins in their life, and that's all they're going to work on. They think that that's all their sin. They these are they, they may think uh, they may think they have um, they may think that they have uh, mastery over like slander or something, but they really uh, are okay with envy. Uh, they may battle, they may need to know that they need battle lust, but they're content with bitterness. You know, they may uh, have some areas that they know needs, they need to work on, but they choose to ignore the other areas that they are actually in sin. But a childlike faith is a person who's aware that there are every, there's so many areas in life that they need to work on and they can't give up the fight. They're constantly asking God for grace to reveal the areas in their life so that they can honor the Lord. This is what the kind of person that always is looking to God's word, which is described as a sword, and it's decided to cut and prune us to be more like God. That's Hebrews 4, verse 12. And the more you read God's word, the more you'll be able to discern what areas in life that you need to cut off so that you can be more and more like Christ. Number seven, a childish faith speaks of childish things, but a childlike faith speaks of godly things. A childish person only speaks of things that have no value. Eleanor Roosevelt said this, great minds talk about ideas. Average mind speaks about events. Small minds talk about people. In other words, if you read tabloids and that's the only thing that you're, you're probably very um, small-minded. And I'm just quoting her here, so you know, blame her. Uh, she's the one that's offending you. If, you. if the only thing you talk about is just current events, then you have an average mind. If you talk about big and lofty things, then that means that you have a great mind. Now, in a spiritual sense, godly minds talk about godly things, and the sinful mind talks about sinful things. So what do you like to talk about the most? That's a reflection of, what, of how mature you really are. A childlike faith depends on God and, and, and desires the things of the Lord. This is a person that studies the passages and, and wants to talk more about it. They just can't help but be entranced by Christ and the things of God. And they're always thinking about the Lord, and they want to be able to, to, to communicate that with other people because they want, uh, because they're speaking of godly things. So what do you talk about? What is the thing that you like to talk most about? What do you occupy your mind with? Because that also is going to reveal what you talk most about. The more, the more detail you know about whatever it may be, that shows you that you're investing time in it. And that whatever you invest, that's where your heart is. So what do you invest most in? Do you invest in things that have eternal significance or do you invest in things that have they're just temporal things? Again, I'm not saying those things are bad. I'm just saying that you just need to weigh it. If you have anything that's above or even equal to God, that's idolatry. So childlike faith is always going to speak of godly things because they have a godly desire.
Number eight, a childish faith rarely tells others about Jesus, but childlike faith wants others to know Jesus. This is something that is, this is something that is a uh, bold and fervor. This is someone that's just bold and fervor about everything in life except for evangelism. And you know that's how you, they can be super opinionated about things. They'll defend their favorite sport team. They'll defend their movies. They'll talk about whatever hobby. They'll know every little detail. They'll tell everyone about it. But when it comes to Jesus, they're absolutely silent. This can be someone that just speaks against uh, things. That, you know, speak against all these other areas in life. But they never speak about the things that, that matter. And why? It's, not, it's never a lack of ability. Sometimes we think, oh, we just need training. It's like, no, you don't just need more training. You need what you lack is desire. You lack the glory of God. You lack others to know your God. A person who is childish in their faith will never summon the desire or courage to tell others about what they claim to love most on a Sunday. But a childish believer hides their faith. A childish believer hides their faith while a childlike faith hides himself in Christ and boldly tells people about their savior. A childish believer hides their faith while the childlike faith hides themselves in Christ and tells everyone about Christ. The person that has a childlike faith is someone that's always being mindful of the surroundings and, and, is prayerful, and prayerfully asking God for opportunities to share the gospel to other people. So why do they do this? Because their desires are to have the whole world know their savior. They want others to know him. This is a call for evangelism. This is our mandate here on the world. Matthew 20, we're to make disciples of all nations. Someone that has a childlike faith will depend on the ability to fulfill the Great Commission. But this person that's childish will just always make excuses why people don't need to hear, hear about Jesus Christ. Whether they're too busy or whatever, they're all, there's always an excuse. And that's someone that, that's how you know if you have a childish faith or a childlike faith. In the area of evangelism, do you talk about Jesus? Number nine, a childish faith doesn't know when to speak. A childlike faith is a person that's able to discern when to speak or when not to speak. Again, there's one thing about children is that they're always honest. They sometimes are very hurtful, but it is true. I had a friend that he went with his kid. I don't know if I shared this, but he went, on his, he went up on a train with his kid, and his kid was like pointing at this lady and said, Daddy, she's immodest, super loudly in front of everyone. And my friend freaked out, okay, we're leaving this train. I don't care what the next stop is, we're out of here. Kids have a way to be honest and sometimes it could be insensitive. And we understand that a child, a person with a childish faith doesn't have self-control or they don't know what to say when they open their mouth or just you know when to stop talking. They seek to be heard and have no desire to, uh, to hear what other people have to say. Person that has a childlike faith is growing and learning through discipleship and scripture on how to conduct oneself. A childlike faith depends on the Lord when it comes to exposing darkness or exhorting others or comforting or defending God's word, encouraging others, speaking the truth. This, if you go through Proverbs, you see all these uh, Proverbs 15, verse 20 talks about how, like, there's a timing of the word that is helpful. You know, like, that's like someone that doesn't give unsolicited advice. And you're thinking right now, hey, pastor, you're giving me unsolicited advice. No, because you can, when you signed on to the Zoom, you've, you've consented in me to preaching to you. So this is not unsolicited. You've, you've did this and you can leave after I preach. But right now, uh, you can you consented to this. But, you know, you understand, right? Sometimes you just go up to someone, you tell them, hey, I think you, you need to work on this. Like, what is your name? Who are you? Um, okay, I mean, that's true. But okay, thank you. And then you just, you know, there's like a sense of which like you have no idea who this person is. And 
you know, when you counsel people, there's a wisdom that comes with it. There's a care and the thoughtfulness of knowing when to share what you know about scripture. You know, don't be, don't be like Job's friend. You know, don't channel that spirit of just saying dumb things that are only half true. Be the wise, discerning, mature person that knows, that listens, and then and it engages with truth. Childish faith is someone that, that, that just doesn't have control over their own tongue. Number 10, a childish faith thinks and reason like one. But childlike faith is someone that puts off childish things, childish thoughts and reasoning. A child's thoughts are considered childish because they're often you know, short-sighted and very myopic in this, and it's only based on the situation right now. They can't think beyond the immediate. You know, you know, someone that only thinks about, oh, I need to eat all this gummy bears right now because I want it. They're not thinking about the long-term effects of gummy bears. Um, I mean, you know, gummy bears are fine. Just you know, don't, don't be enslaved by anything. Um, but you know, there's a, they, they're only thinking in the moment. And a person, but a person with a childlike faith is dependent on God's word, and they know what's right for the moment, and they also see how this impacts them in the long run. This goes in every area of your life. Like, okay, if, if I commit this sin, what is the long-term ramifications? If I befriend this individual, what is the long-term ramification? If I spend too much time doing this kind of job or studying this thing, what are the long-term ramifications? This is this, this discernment that we need. First Corinthians 13 tells us that when I was a child, I, 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 I acted like a child, I reasoned like a child. But when I, when I grew up, I got rid of those things. I put away those things. Um, uh, I became a man and I did away with childish things. Back then in that Roman culture, when they reach a certain age, there would they would be there would be like a like a, a like basically I don't know they'll basically like have this like fire ceremony where they would just cast whatever it is onto the flame as a as a public declaration that I am no longer a child. So think of like you know baby throwing their their you know pacifier. That's easy to do, but just imagine something else like oh I'm going to get rid of all my childish hobbies things that that is often associated with childishness. I'm going to get rid of those things. The life patterns, the, the hobbies, the clothing, the things that make me seem childish. I'm going to get rid of all of those things. Now we live in an age that it seems like everyone's fascinated by being young. That's actually, again, childish thinking. As a Christian, you want to be childlike in your faith. And that means that you, you are going to put away certain things in life. You're going to discern, okay, does this have eternal significance? How do you know that this is you? Well, think about how you think. Is it aligned with things of scripture? Do you have verses that comes to mind when you tend to make decisions and act on those uh, and act on those verses, or just do whatever you want? A childish believer is just going to reason and think like a child, but a mature believer thinks through things biblically and tries to live like it. Verse eleven, a child. Oh, not verse eleven. Point number eleven. <laughs> a childish faith always wants more things, even with Christ, but a childlike faith realize that they have everything in Christ. The person that has a childish faith is always someone that wants more. And all the things they want are actually just, basically, if you look at eternal things in terms of like grand scheme, these are just actually, actually they want, to, they desire firewood. Because you know how Paul talks about like the things that are just going to burn away. Some things are just like wood that just like thistles and stuff like that. And other things are gold. If you only desire things of this world, you're only, what you're asking in the eternal sense is you just want more firewood. These things are just going to get burned up. If a person has a childlike faith, 
seeks to use the resources for the glory of God. And they're content with whatever their circumstances are. First, uh, Paul speaks about this. He has to learn this. Uh, Philippians 4.11, for that I, not that I speak from once, or uh, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am in. Paul understood that contentment is something that you need to learn. First Timothy 6.6, 6, but godliness is actually a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. This means that in your life, do you find yourself always wanting more? A childish person is always thinking about the next thing that they can buy, the next thing they could experience. And if they don't have it, they freak out and they think that like the world is not fair. But a person has childlike faith, they're completely happy because they have all that they need for all of eternity, and that is Christ Jesus. Two more. Number 12, a childish faith. A child's faith is, is, is someone that's just always afraid. But a childlike faith, their soul is still. A childish person is always afraid and fearful of things of what's going on in the world. Or a child, I mean, like it's, it's normal for a child to be afraid of certain things. But it's sad when adults are afraid of things that only children are afraid of. You know, when kids are saying like, oh, I'm afraid of the thing under my bed. That makes sense for a kid that's like maybe five or six year old. But when a 30 year old is saying, oh, I'm afraid of what's under my bed, that's just, that's, that shows the immaturity there. Now, if you think of it in, in long terms, there are things that young believers wrestle with that older believers shouldn't. You know, younger believers are going to question God's sovereignty because they don't know. They haven't lived in the faith long enough to see God's faithfulness. And that makes sense for a young Christian. But if you're in the church for five, 10, 15, 20 years, and you're still always trembling and worried about the small things, then it's either you're not a believer because you don't see God's faithfulness or you're just not, not growing and, and being observant and, and documenting how God was faithful in your own life. You know, I keep a journal and I write things down and then prayers down. And oftentimes you see how God answers your prayer and, that you, and you should document those things. That's why the Psalms always tells us to remember, to remember God, to remember these things. Because when you remember God, you're not going to be afraid. You're always going to trust him. If the Lord delivered you in one area, then the Lord is going to deliver you again in the next area. Your response to situation is going to be reflective of whether or not you have a mature faith or immature faith. Do you find yourself being moved by sinful thoughts when situation comes up? Are you being moved to act emotionally and not biblically? Last night, um, I was with my family and it was dinner time and Ruby came up and said, I need to go potty. And I said, okay, I'll take you to the restroom. And we walked into this one public you know, restaurant um, that had a restroom that allowed us to use it. And she saw a picture there and it freaked her out. And she's like, I, I, can't, I can't go back in there. And then I, and I'm surprised she didn't pee in my hand when she saw that picture. But, you know, we had to leave the restaurant and, and use like the little portable potty thing that we brought. And she was telling me how scared she was, how scared. And then I was like, okay, Ruby, you have to think, what are the things that are true? What are things that are good? What is good? And she's like, uh, she doesn't know. It's like, is Jesus good? It's like, yes. And it's like, like, yeah, Jesus is good. Okay, think about Jesus. He's your friend, right? You can be strong in him. Think of things that are, are, are good. What else do I think are good? It's like, uh, playgrounds. Okay, yeah. Why are they good? Because you get to enjoy life. That God made these things for you to delight in him. You know, like, you have, and that's how we are supposed to be as adults as well. We think of when bad thoughts creep in and try to infiltrate your mind, your desire, you need to think of, of, of God's faithfulness, think of things that are biblical so you can control your emotions. A, child, a person of childlike faith is always going to be running to scripture, 
a childish faith is someone just going to be always going to be emotional and can't think rationally because they're just moved by their emotions. Last one, a childish faith wants to glorify self, but a childlike faith seeks to glorify God. A childish faith is someone that always wants to hog and be the center of attention. Look and see and ask yourself, how often do you want your opinions to be heard and everyone to go with your ways or your insights and whatever your opinions are? A prideful person seeks to be the center of everything, but a childlike believer is always someone that wants God's glory in full display. They're always thinking, how can I make God more beautiful, more attractive? How can I make, how can I serve other people more? How can I uh, make sure that people know that my savior is a good God? So how, so this is going to be a weird question for yourself. Ask someone that you know, do I talk about myself a lot? And that's weird because you're actually talking about yourself as you ask that question. But truly ask someone that, that loves you and knows you and say, yeah, I do notice that you like to Put yourself in the center of things. You, you you're not that humble. You know, do you find yourself preoccupying your life about yourself a lot, or you care more about others and and then focusing on the Lord? Going back to Psalm one thirty one, there's a reason why David speaks of having a quiet and composed soul, and that he's like a child, a weaned child at rest against his mother. He, he's telling Israel to hope in the Lord. You want to have this childlike faith, not a childish faith. David here is exhorting the people of God to display a childlike faith in Yahweh. The God that we worship is a God that gives comfort, security, and rest and nourishment. And the point of this passage is to call for believers to not to think too highly of themselves, to think of how great they are, but to have a humble and a realistic perspective of who they are, that they are, that all of us are in need to be in dependence of the Lord. It is that childlike faith that actually shows up as a mark of a mature Christian. Now, and, I, and I trust that's what you want to be, that you want to be a mature believer, that you want to grow up. And if you want that, if you truly want spiritual maturity, that you need to constantly have this childlike faith. Again, this is not talking about your physical age. I know this group has a range of college students all the way to married and, you know, Bill and Kathy, I don't know what age they are, but they seem pretty young. You know, there's a range. But wherever you are, however, how old you are, whatever life stage, you always want to have a childlike faith because that is what's, what leads to biblical mature, godly maturity. And I trust that when you're mature, you'll find true joy in the Lord. You'll never be moved by the times. You'll never be moved by circumstance. You'll always think uh, in, a, in a right and biblical way. You'll always be at peace because you know that you can lean onto the Lord the way a child leans on their parents. Let us pray. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you for your reminder that we are nothing but dust. Lord, continue to cause us to always be mindful that every breath that we have is dependent on your grace, that there is nothing that we have and nothing that we're able to do beyond what you've given us. Humble us, Lord. Keep us uh, always mindful that we need you daily, um, that we need you regularly, um, that we need you at all times, Lord. Help us to hope in you above all things. Lord, may you convict us in areas where we are self-reliant. We do put ourselves at the center. We do trust in our own gifts and whatever. But Lord, we know that these things are given to you, given to us uh, by you for your glory. Lord, be with us this weekend. May we continue to seek to honor you 
have a childlike faith. Thank you, your son's name. Amen. All right, quick announcement, some semi-quick announcement. Um, so I, okay. Okay, so we, okay, you know, San Francisco now is finally in the red tier, I guess, which means that we can actually meet in person. Um, I'm planning that our first in-person meeting be next Friday. I, I need to get new training and all, all that stuff like that. But that's my plan. So just anticipate that. We're not going to let all of you guys back right away. We're, um, and I think that's actually amazing in terms of God's providence. Because next week, if you look at next week a year ago, that was actually the last time we were able to meet in person. <laughs> so it was like we were literally away from each other for joining us for one year. And God sovereignly allowed it for us to have one year apart. But now this coming Friday, or the next ne- not this right, the next one, our hope, that's our anticipation. Look forward to that email that we're able to, you know, sign up for that. Uh, there are going to be different changes. It's not going to be exactly the same, but at least we're able to see each other on a Friday night. Um, I know some of you aren't able to come. And that's okay. We're just going to make like a hybrid kind of thing where we'll have a Zoom thing as well as an in-person meeting. Um, so that's just something that you can look forward to in terms of the email, unless it goes, unless somehow we go back to purple in the next few days. It's like, ignore those announcements. But if everything goes well and everything's the same, then the hope and the plan is that we return next Friday. So keep just, just keep praying for us. Pray for the return team as well as we are all trying to figure out working together and returning in person. Uh, that's it for me.